Welcome to Behind the Fiction, the book lovers podcast, where we deliver interviews, insights, and ideas to passionate book lovers who want to stay in the stories they love. I'm Alexa Larberg, and this is episode 69 with Raven Belasco. You are going to love this episode. It's full of interesting information regarding book two in the Blood and Ancient Scrolls series, and she and Steve do a really fun Q&A at the end. You're not going to want to miss it. Let's get to the show. Raven Belasco, welcome back to Behind the Fiction. I am so excited. I've been looking forward to it ever since our last time. And our last time, it seems like forever ago, because that was before you'd published your first book. So I've got lots of questions about the process of publishing your first book and actually getting it out into the world and, and then writing a second book. But let's let's just start by talking a little bit about the second book. The, the book is Blood Sign Quanon. Do I have that right? Yes. Yep. All right. So that's I passed my Latin test for today. <laughs> A plus. And this is book two in the Blood and Ancient Scrolls series. Yes. Book one was what, five months ago? Does that sound about right? Yep. That's that's about right. And uh, at that I mean, time at that time I seem to remember that you were part of the way through with uh, with book two? Yes. Uh it, I had like a little a little jump ahead. Um and I needed it too because the, the book went crazy and there was there was a lot of work to be done pulling it into place. So I was well, one of the things that you that you told me in preparation for this was that you have a character who wrote himself into this story. So give me tell me more about that. So uh we had, you know, the the, the usual cast of characters had come back and then we had our new bad guy cuz you know, as as one could guess, there was perhaps some defeating of bad guy in book one. Um, that, you're not giving away anything with that. <laughs> no, no. I think I think everyone kind of guesses that's the case. Um, and so we're running around fighting bad guy number one, and there's something not coming together. And next thing I knew, bad guy number two jumped out of the pages of history into the book and said, "I demand to get in on this action," and I. <laughs> I couldn't stop him, so we all just ran around uh, shooting at each other and hacking at each other with swords until it was over. Did you? Well, and you said shooting with each other because in book one there was mostly hacking with swords. Yes. Well, you know, when you write about vampires, you think, you know, you have to first you have to build how your vampires work. So what from vampire myth are you keeping? What are you discarding? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you're thinking, how do I kill vampires? You know, there's, there's traditional ways and then you have to decide. So, you know, chopping off their heads is good. So you need cutting implements, uh, burning them also effective. So in the first book, there was a flamethrower or two. Um, but as I was writing about this, a friend of mine said, why are you not using any guns? Like, why is everyone running around with a sword in this day and age? And I thought, well, you know, actually with guns, you can do a fair bit of damage um, in at least slow down a vampire fast enough to, you know, then finish him off in a more traditional way. So, boom, literally, uh, <laughs> the, the story got filled with guns. <laughs> and then I noticed there's a gun on the cover. So uh, that was interesting. Was that planned from the beginning to have this particular sequence of covers? Uh, well, when... I realized that the series was going to become 
like blood and then a, a phrase from Latin, then I kind of wanted the covers to kind of be like, okay, we've got our protagonist and then the weapons that she's using in the book. Um, so it wasn't, this was just a happy accident. Um, you know, it was like, okay, last, last one we had a sword. Um, and so this time, oh, we've got guns, let's put a gun in. Um, so that was fun for, for me and the artist. And um, my, my Google results are terrifying forever though now. Like I could never have someone look at my Google results and think that I'm in any way a normal human being that should not be immediately <laughs> locked up because it's bad, it looks bad. <laughs> well, at least you have control over those results. You're kind of doing this to yourself. Yes, no, no, it's all, it's all my fault. I, I accept responsibility. <laughs> it's good, it's good. So. For people who may not remember, when we talked, the, the process for writing book one was fairly lengthy. You had this idea, you started writing, and then you wrote some more, and then you didn't write for a while, and then you wrote some more, and then eventually you connected with us, and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm actually going to get this book out, and then you you know really had to knuckle down and, and finish the book, turn it into yeah. a book, turn all these ideas into a book. And so that process... All together, like from the when you first started writing, I think maybe the first scene came to you in a dream. Am I remembering yep, that correctly? That's exactly right. Yep. So, how long? What was that process from the dream to when you finished writing book one? How, how was long over, was that? It was until uh, I finished writing book one. I mean, it had kind of been finished, but it was not tight. Like it was, it was still like a you know, not, it was, you know, it was the first novel. Um, and so I did that final tightening in preparation mm -hmm. for, for publication with LMBPM. Um, so that was over five years. Okay. And so with the second book, which you were partially, you'd, you'd written yep. some of it when we talked before, you had an actual deadline. Yes. So what was that like? You know, what was the difference between writing the first book where you were just kind of like putting scenes together and then eventually turning it into a book as compared to, hey, I need to write this book and I've got a deadline of, you know, just a few months from now? It, there was a teeny bit more stress. Uh, <laughs> but basically, I just went into my calendar and I just put like, you know, how many pages I should write each day in the calendar and then mostly hit that when life got in the way, then I'd have to be working on the weekends or try to double my, my page count if I could in a day. Uh, but you know, even with characters jumping in on me without mm -hmm. permission, uh, I still actually was pretty good at that. Like I actually feel like, okay, I can be a writer. This is, this is a job where I can like wake up in the morning and do my job and, and enjoy it and be decent at it. So. It's funny how often the second book is when that occurs to people that they can do it because the first book, it's like, eh, I'm kind of writing a book and I'm not sure what's going to happen. But the second one, you've got a commitment and you've, you've got to actually do it. So it, it changes exactly. everything. So that's yep. cool. So are you, when, when do you like to write? I see, I picture you as someone who writes this kind of thing as a late night writer. Uh, I have done some very extended late night sessions, but actually I hate to disappoint. I'm an afternoon writer. Okay. Uh, I wake up, get everything sorted. I take my ridiculous little dog for a walk in the woods. And that's actually where I 
work through what are we doing today. Um, so it's I do actually a fair bit of writing not in front of the computer, but just me and my dog walking along in the woods, and I'm going okay, like this is where we left off last night. What are we going to do today? Oh, that's complicated. How am I going to handle this? And usually by the time I get home from the walk, I'm ready to roll on writing. So that leads me to believe that you don't have this super in-depth plot that you're working towards. I I don't mean a plot. I mean a, um, oh, like a synopsis that you've put together ahead of time that that you're working towards. It sounds like you're just kind of writing as you go coming up it's, with or, it's organic especially if characters are throwing themselves into the book well that was that was a surprise <laughs> <laughs> but um no i generally have an idea like who's going to be in the book um and where are we all sort of setting it but and and how it's going to end but the middle bits how we get to the ending no idea it that happens on its own um, settings. You you mentioned settings. So yeah. it's kind of exotic. This this book's you've, you've got some exotic locales. So how did you pick them and why? Uh, well, I'm I love vampire books. So many vampire authors I've read, but I'm kind of like, why do all these vampires from all over the world end up in the United States? Like, you know, I mean, it's a great country, but you know, why are they all coming here? So, uh, and then also just as a writer, I just want to get out, you know, like I want to, I want to go explore. Actually, when I started writing the second, I thought that I might use writing this book as sort of an excuse to get down and visit South America. Uh, But then a sort of pandemic happened. And uh, so that, that was not going to happen. So um, I had to spend a lot of time reading travel accounts, looking at video footage of, and, and just looking at Google Maps mm-hmm. uh, for uh, Buenos Aires and Tierra del Fuego, which is where we ended up going. Um, and uh, so, yeah, uh, I uh, actually, in my acknowledgement, thank uh, the wonderful uh, cave explorers uh, who went down to Tierra del Fuego because I could not have written the scenes if I had not watched their videos and and been able to viscerally sort of experience uh, what they what it was like to go through those caves. Do you would you have had time to actually make those trips? Well, you know, I mean, I'm committed to my art, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, someday in the future, I'll be able to travel again. And, uh, you know, then I'm going to just have to do research on the ground for, for the sake of art. You know? Yes, yes, you, yes. Someone has to do it. Yes, exactly. And, all right. I, I have to comment on this stack of books over on, on my image that's over your left shoulder, oh, yep. over your right <laughs> shoulder. Those are your books. That's, that's yes. book one there. That is that you have book there. one right there. So shiny. And I love the way that you have them. It's haphazard yet perfectly stair-stepped up. Well, you know, actually, you could say that's a synonym for my whole life. So, <laughs> nicely you done. Ask, you ask about my writing style. There you go. That's me <laughs> in a in a pile of books. All right. What was it like the first time you signed a book for someone? Oh, that was actually a surprise. 
uh, a fan came over, a, a friend who is a fan, and had bought a copy of the paperback and showed up at the front door and said, would you please sign? And there was, there was a pandemic, so there was social distancing involved, but it was, I, I had to try, I had to not, like, not cry until he left. So, um, and then I was like, oh, shit, I need to work up a signature. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I had planned to be doing this at conventions and stuff. So mm -hmm. I thought I had all this time to work up like my, my you know, cool little, you know, sign thing. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, then you have to come up with these pithy little things that you have yep. to say before you you sign your name perfectly and consistently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, my real signature is not perfect and inconsistent. So I think you know, we can all handle that. They're definitely never going to be <laughs> never going to happen. <laughs> so when you're writing, are you a, I don't want to go to chapter two until I've got chapter one, perfect kind of a writer, or do you just kind of let it fly and figure you'll clean it up in the next draft? Every once in a while I get bogged down. Uh, and if I get writer's block, it actually can be fixed by just doing an extra dog walk, which my dog is quite happy about. Uh -huh. But sometimes I don't really have the time to just drop everything and grab the leash and the dog to go. So I can also fix it by just like just leaving a little note to myself that is highlighted, like come back here and finish this. And then I go, I move on to the next scene, the next thing that I'm excited about. And, and so that sometimes will help me keep the flow when I might otherwise be frustrated and lose it. Um, so there's a tiny bit of piecing things back together at the end, but usually not that much. The story, thanks to my, my little doggy, tends to flow, uh, you know, just in every day's writing. Um, I, I have, I've had that time to sort of get back into it. And, and so the things tend to flow pretty well for me. I'm very lucky. Now, I see you have these really awesome headphones on. Yes. Are you a person who listens to music when you write? Yes, I, and I should actually put up, uh, I've found this wonderful playlist on Spotify called Beats to Work To, and it is my go-to soundtrack. The whole book was pretty much written on that. Sometimes, sometimes I need to just go and actually do some jazz or something, every mm -hmm. while uh, some classical, like some Mahler or something like that, but... Um, there's this one soundtrack, well, soundtrack for me now, this one playlist that just is, it's become a, part of the, like, when I hear that, those sounds, I'm like, okay, I'm writing now. It's a, so it's a trigger to get you yeah. in the, in, in the, in the right headspace for writing. Yeah. I, I assume yeah. it's all just, um, there are no lyrics. It's just music. No, couldn't handle lyrics. My God. Yeah. No, yeah. it has okay. to, it has to be uh, lyric free music. Um, this is this one's just sort of a sort of down tempo, um, very like modern kind of house stuff. Well, let's talk about reviews for the first book. What was it like when the first review popped up? Well, not the first review from someone you didn't know, because um, what was that was, like? Uh, I it was a happily it was a great review. And so I was just like, oh, it's happening. And like, it's happening. People like my books. Like, it was, it was, a sh and I wasn't quite expecting it. Like, I went to Amazon to look, but I was sort of like, oh, it won't, nothing will have gone up yet. You know, give it time. And then there it was. Oh, 
you know, and, and I was just like, my heart was pounding. Um, and, uh, it just, it made the pain of fighting to get published worth it in that moment. And are you, since then, are you a person who goes and looks at the reviews or is it easier for you to just like take a, like squint and get a high level look and see what the ratings are? Uh, you know, I look for today, the day when there's so many hundreds of reviews that I can't keep up with them all. Uh-huh. But, but basically, uh, I've actually found some reviews not on Amazon. Uh, so I make it a habit about once a week now to uh, just type in uh, the book name and, and Raven Velasco as a search term in Google. And uh, then I'm like, oh, hey, look, it's getting out there in the world. And that's really good. I've, I'm keeping a list of people who, who like it, um, you know, so I can contact them in future for future books. And it's, it's also just nice to see it spreading through the world and, and people enjoying it. That, that makes me really happy. And thankfully, most people who make it to the end of a book are appreciative of the work that went into the book. And just as a reader, if you make it to the end of the book, that means you liked it. So you're, you're going to mostly get good reviews. But every so often you get some trollish type review. Did you get yeah. any of those? And if so, what was that like? Oh, my, my favorite thing about the, the reviews that, that uh, were one or two stars um, was one was really upset that there was too much sex. They're just, he couldn't like it because there was too much sex and he couldn't bring himself to like the book, even though you can skim those scenes uh, and just get on to the violence instead. Uh, yeah. He, 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 he just, I think he said, I couldn't quite enjoy it. Um, then the really great part is the other, the, the other uh, review that I remember that stands out in my head is uh, they said, this is not a romance novel. It's, it's more of an action adventure. And I was like, they're side by side on the, on the page. And it's just like, okay, I don't know how to hit that sweet spot then. Cause I just, I put in lots of votes and thought everyone would be happy. But uh, yeah, this, this, you know, um, uh, one thing I do remember from that review was that uh the reader was intimidated by the foreign languages that I put mm-hmm. in the book as well. And I just want to say for, for anyone who uh, is going into book two or, or anyone coming to book one for the first time that I have at the back of the book, a glossary of all the foreign languages. Um, so you can either, I wrote the book so that um, if you really need to know what's being said, as the reader, the protagonist, Noosh, figures it out, or it's explained to her by another character. But I also give you the chance to be as confused as her, you know, hearing a foreign language and being like, what was that? Like, I I give you the opportunity to either experience it, like, you know, her, her confusion, you get to feel the same emotion, or you can flip to the back of the book, look up exactly what was said and know when she doesn't know. Yeah, which um, actually seems like a pretty good idea. I mean, it seems like a pretty good t- – if, if you're – if it – we're in the character's head. So yeah. if the character's confused, we should be confused. That's how I see it. But on the, the other hand, you know, some people are reading at the end of a long day, and they don't want any more damn confusion. They just want yes. to, like, be in a controlled circumstance. And mm-hmm. 
I get that because I get long days too. So, um, you know, for those people who just really want control of the experience or just like, you know, I need, you know, I'm not okay with not knowing, then just flip to the end. It's in alphabetical order. Just look up your phrase. You're good to go. Yep. And um, you might find yourself just scanning through lots of them once you get back there because it's oh, kind of interesting. I have my, so I really love putting the vampires swearing in, in foreign languages uh, because a lot of foreign languages have the most beautiful swear phrases that are completely different than English and don't, can't even be translated to English. Um, so I have my vampires swearing a lot in their native tongue. And so putting those meanings in the back, there's actually, there's a bit of humor in, in the glossary if, yes. you, if you go back to it. So. <laughs> yes, it's, it, the glossary is worth reading, unlike most, most glossaries <laughs> in, in books. Thank you, kind sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so you mentioned sex scenes. Mm-hmm. There are people in reviews who refer to it as erotica. Would you refer to it as erotica, or would you refer to bits of it as erotica? I guess bits of it as erotica. Uh, although, when I first started reading the paranormal genre, um, I I saw it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, sex scenes that were just as explicit as any other scene in the book, you know, just as descriptive. And so when I first wrote the book, and in the first book, the, the act of, of sex with the vampire is absolutely vital to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see any reason why you wouldn't. Uh, you know, this is like, literally the most important things she's done in her life. And I, I couldn't see drawing the curtain over it, um, you know, and it's a book for adults, you know, mm-hmm. so, I mean, I know I'm a pretty open-minded person, um, so, you know, I'm sorry if the book, you know, is, is uncomfortable uh, for some people, but on the other hand, vampires have always been a, a monster that sex surrounded, Um you know, the very act of drinking blood is penetrative mm-hmm. and in the Victorian era stood in for the sex act in, in the stories. That was why the, the tales were so titillating. Um, so to me, taking the sex away from vampires is, is counterintuitive. You know, vampires are the sexy monsters. Um, and I, I kind of assume that people who are, who are coming to a book with vampires want coming. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, <laughs> you know, uh, so I, I could have, I could have censored myself, but you know, I, I really, as you said, you, you want to be true to your art. And yeah. This is, this is the way you envision the story. You know, I read a lot of thrillers. That's sort of my thing is yep. uh, thrillers and a lot of thrillers are really violent and i am not a super big fan of violence but it doesn't bother me to the point where i won't read the books i will as you said earlier i just skim through it it's like okay yeah. starting here blah 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 read a sentence blah blah blah, yep. blah. okay the fight's over i can get yep. on the story yeah um so i guess you probably would have to skip through a fair bit of my books for them because there's very explicit violence as well and that's actually the the weird thing to me is that i don't see explicit sex as being different than explicit violence you know they're both really intense things to read Mm -hmm. um but i don't see why 
uh, like the reviewer who said there was too much sex, he had no trouble with the rest of the book. Um, so it's like, well, why can I write in detail about chopping someone's head off, you know, in the, the moment that the spine is severed and, you know, really get gory? Why can I do that? But I can't detail like the experience of having an orgasm. Like what is wrong about the, the beauty of sex, you know, where the, the opposite, you know, ugliness of violence is a-okay. Um, so. It's an interesting conundrum that we in this country have been dealing with for centuries. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you, Puritans. I appreciate that so much. <laughs> All right. I'm going to try something different with you as we uh, close our interview. Okay. I haven't done this in at in this podcast before. I'm going to hit you with four questions. I don't even – just like a second of thought and give me an answer. Okay. All right. Favorite book you've read this year? Oh, um, oh see, now you're just going to make my brain go empty. So uh, right now I'm listening to – uh, the Broken Earth series by N.K. Jemisin on Audible. It is some of the best science fiction I've ever read or heard. Uh, and the narration is stupendous. Uh, and it's, it is being like every night. I listen to audiobooks to go to sleep at night. So mm -hmm. um, this has been like at the end of the day, I'm really looking forward to it. And I actually have been starting the audiobook earlier and earlier in the evening <laughs> just so that I have more time to listen before I conk out. Oh, that's, um, a, that's a great. Obviously, you like it if you're if you're yeah. putting other things off so that you can. It's it's the equivalent since we don't do that much driving around anymore. It's the equivalent of driving around the block nineteen times yes. before you pull into the garage. To, I have to, I have done that. Yeah, no, we can't finish until the end of the chapter. I'll just uh, I'll just go around the block again. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. So yeah. Um, if you could if you could have a conversational one on one lunch with anyone living or dead, who would it be? Uh, well, living immediately is Samuel R. Delaney, uh, who is off in New York, and I would, he's my favorite science fiction author, and I actually, I have talked to him, but uh, I basically transferred uh, school uh, in college so that I could take a class from him at UMass Amherst. Oh, neat. And uh, so I actually got to like go to his office hour and get my, some books signed by him, but I was just like, oh, it's nice to meet you, like totally dorky. Uh, and I would just really love to be able to sit down and have a meal with him and maybe actually say a, a coherent sentence in his company. That would be great. Nice. Okay. What's one thing you've learned about yourself that surprised you during the pandemic? Uh, I'm, I'm actually, I guess I'm not surprised I, I'm only surprised at, at how much I am an actual recluse. Like, uh, I do miss seeing my friends and, and I really miss like things like going to the museum. Um, that broke me the other day. Like I had to have like a little cry because I just wanted to go to the museum so badly, which yeah, now you know what a dork I am. Uh, but just on the day to day, um, sheltering in place is something I'm comfortable with. I'm not that much of an extrovert that I'm like dying inside, you know, I'm pretty comfortable with the new normal, except for like, you know, 
like, you know, the horrible aspects of it, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not suffering the really severe depression that the way some people are. And I'm really grateful for that. So, but I was, I thought, I, you know, I get hit by the reality of it and how hard it is, you know, and how hard it is with everything that's going on in the world. But me, myself, I'm actually like, oh, I'm just going to walk my dog and write my novel and, you know, take care of the things around me. But I can, I can surf this part. It's a great time to be a writer. That's for sure. Yeah, right, last it really last question. And this <laughs> should be an easy one. What's okay. your favorite guilty pleasure food? Oh, <laughs> uh, somewhere along the lines of, so in the, in the area of mashed potatoes, mac and cheese and cheesy grits, like that oh, combination of. That sounds carbo- like a combination platter from heaven. That, that sounds <laughs> yes. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> just all carbs and cheese all the time. Yes. If you could, especially if you could just take a nap right after that, that would yeah, be oh, awesome. yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> take a nap with an audiobook. Yep. <laughs> All right. For those of you listening, you will find that book one of the series, Blood X Libris, is currently on sale for 99 cents. And so that's a great way to get into the series if you haven't already bought that book. Uh, book two is Blood Sign Quanon. Did I get it right the second time as yeah, well? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. The you author's did. name is Raven Belasco. If you have trouble searching on Latin words, Search on Raven Belasco. And where can people find you online, Raven? Uh, I have a website uh, that's uh, ravenbelasco.co. And uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram. It's not, you know, just put in my name and a whole bunch of options will come up to you. All right. Well, thank you very much. I look forward to doing this again. We always have fun when we do these. Yeah, this is, this is such a good time. I look forward to it too, Steve. Thank you. All right.